Welcome to Shotgun Sports USA. Powered by Winchester Ammunition, the American legend. If your thing is clay target sports, you're in the right place. Listen to the best shotgun shooters from all over the world in every discipline. Championship winning coaches, gun clubs, target setters, vendors, as well as companies that make it all happen. Check us out online at ShotgunSportsUSA.com. Like us on Facebook and follow on Instagram. Shotgun Sports USA is also driven by Beretta. Beretta, the number one choice of champions. Also brought to you by Rick Hemingway's Promatic Trap Sales, Cole Gunsmithing, Clay Target Vision, Castellana USA and Ultimate Shooting Accessories, Sound Gear, Clay Shooter Supply, and Falcon Strike. Better with Beretta. Pro tips from the number one choice of champions. I'm Anthony Matteris Jr., professional shooter with Team Beretta. Question I'm often asked is how to break a bad habit. Breaking a bad habit generally boils down to consciously repeating the correct process or the correct skill set. So when someone has a bad habit, their subconscious is ingrained into doing something that is incorrect, whether that be throwing the gun at the end of the shot or taking their head off the stock or getting their stance wrong, leaning too far forward or mounting the gun too low. Anything that's considered a bad habit that's become done over and over has has been ingrained into the subconscious. What we need to do is consciously override that. So often people will say, why do I keep doing that wrong? We keep doing that wrong because if you don't think about it, the skill set that comes out subconsciously is is a is a is a poor skill or a wrong skill so what we need you to do is shoot with repetition and we need you to consciously do the correct thing over and over again the difficult part with this is it needs to take place in practice and it's something that when you're consciously doing things correctly your mind is engaged And if you're consciously doing things correctly, you might be missing because you're overthinking. So the prerequisite is initially some form of conscious thought, often considered overthinking. When done repeatedly, we will now redevelop our subconscious to do the right thing. So it's going to take some hard work, but we need you to get out there to the range and get this done. My guest today is undeniably one of the most gifted shotgun shooters to ever step onto the Sporting Clays course. I think naming the tournaments that he did not win this year would probably be easier than calling out all the ones he did win. He is now the 2023 national champion, and he's here to talk about everything that you want to hear. Yes, everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the coming back to the sport, and where he wants to be now. It's all coming out in this episode. Welcome to the show for the first time anywhere, Brandon Powell. 
Are you are you nervous? No. <laughs> You're not nervous at all. No. Are you nervous about what I'm going to ask you? No. Do you care what I ask you? No. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> well, I guess welcome to the show. Good to be here. <laughs> so we've been talking about this for a long time, right? Uh, I don't know. Probably a year. Would you say at least? And you said, look, I'm not ready to do this yet, but I'll let you know what I am. Right. You know, so I, I just quit bothering you about it. And I mean, every other month I'd probably text you. Yeah. You reached out here and there and we, we talked and I just didn't feel like the timing was right. Do you think time is right now? Uh, definitely. <laughs> I don't think there'd be a better time than now. All right. So <clears throat> I talked to you on your way back from nationals. That's how we got caught up in this. And, uh, you know, congratulated, congratulated you on the win. And, you know, you said, Hey, let's get it going. So here we are three days later sitting here doing this. Um, the national championship you just won is the only one you've won, right? Correct. All right. How many times have you podium that, that shoot? This was my 12th nationals that I've attended. Um, six, six runner ups, um, one, one win and three thirds, I think it is long overdue. Um, and it's the biggest nationals ever. I saw that on Facebook the other day. I think, uh, the NSCA posted that 2,350 people competitors now, 49 States and 16 countries. So a little bit, everybody got to see you. Yeah. So it was, you know, couldn't have been a better one to win. Yeah, that's right. I, it seems like that place just every year that that event gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So how was nationals? I wasn't there. I wanted to go. I wasn't there. It was great as always. I love shooting out there. Um, other than all the wind and the rain, it was good. Well, you know, there's going to be wind always. Texas. So what about the rain? I saw it like people were knee deep in some, some stations. You know, I got lucky every day that we shot and I missed it by 20 or 30 minutes, give or take before I started or ended the only event that I actually shot in the rain was the K cup. And that lasted maybe 30 minutes first three or four stations. Yeah. Does it affect you at all shooting in the rain? <clears throat> Other I mean, than being wet. I mean, not really, but it sucks when you can't see. <laughs> yeah. You had to wipe your glasses off. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I had to, I had to work, had football games where to go to and yeah, family to me is more important than going to a shoot in Texas. So, even though I still wanted to go, I mean, my <laughs> wife could still she could still tell that I wanted to go. But um, I know Claxton, Chris Claxton videoed the whole thing, and uh, that should be coming out shortly. And uh, at least I get to see that. You know, how was the the final day video, and was it nice? Yeah, I mean, we had those guys right on us the whole way. Um, there was a ton of people out there. So I think it's going to turn out really good. They moved the course too from last year to this year, right? And it was good that they did that. I was wondering how that was going to work out, but we had a lot more room out there. So that was normally the yellow course? I think so. Okay. Okay. So tell me about the targets. I thought that the targets were better than they've ever been. I don't know that they were necessarily harder. They were pretty con consistent, though, throughout you know all four days. Yeah. So there wasn't like the hardest course wasn't the last one. I mean, I'd say that green definitely had a couple of stations on it that were harder than the other courses, but the targets were just kind of across the board consistent all week. 
Yeah. You didn't go from a bunch of easy stuff to a bunch of really hard stuff. They were just steady the whole way. What station worried you the most out of the whole out of all the whole tournament? Was there one station that you're like, oh my god? Not really. From from day one when we when we started, or actually, let me back up. On the way out there, I had already made my mind up that I was going to approach this nationals completely different than I had all of the other nationals that I've been to, and. and was saying that more so probably mindset um, related, not, you know, doing anything different as far as the way I shot the birds. But mentally, I told myself before every pair, shoot the target. Don't think about it. Don't be careful. So I, I went out there with the mindset to shoot offensively instead of defensively. And that's something that I've never done, I guess, because I've wanted to win that shoot so bad. Um, and that made a huge difference. Why? Well, I was able to just let, you know, all of my natural talent and ability, you know, be itself. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot to be said about trying to put the gun where you think it needs to be versus letting your eyes put your hands where they need to be. Yeah. So you weren't thinking <clears throat> about it. You're just letting it rip. Every station. And it cost me a couple here and there. But I also, you know. <laughs> it cost you that the, <laughs> Correct. I mean. <laughs> You know, the past has shown, I look back over all the stuff I've won since I've come back, and when when I trust myself and I just let it happen, it costs me targets along the way, but it allows me also to kill a lot more than the rest of the field, you yeah, know, yeah. along the way. So it works itself out. Speaking of that, what have you won this year, this year alone? Uh, <laughs> or when did, wait, when did you come back? Well, you know, last year, 2022 U.S. Open at, at Backwoods Quail Club. All right. So since then, what have you won? Well, last year we shot – I left there and won Georgia State 2022, uh, the Northeast Regional. It, it's such a long list of stuff. I honestly can't can't even think is, back. Is, that, is that like a bragging statement? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> A lot. I know it's been a, a, a lot. A lot of stuff. <clears throat> a lot. And, you know, I was looking at the, the winnings from Nationals, and it's the largest payout. E ever. Yeah. And I thought, holy cow. I mean, anybody can go look. Just go look at what he won just at Nationals. I mean, not everybody can make a living shooting and winning. Right. But you could have done it for sure. Yeah, this year for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, all right. So, on this episode <clears> – <throat> I plan to cover everything that I believe everyone is wanting to hear. Right. Right. We're going to get into the highs, the lows, the challenges, and then we're going to kind of transition into the present discussing who you want to be. Right. In the shooting world. You're, uh, and the steps you're taking to evolve as a person and a shooter. Right. right. And I think that that's fair to say that's what you're trying to do. A hundred percent. So, all right. Uh, you brought this up a second ago, and I don't think that anyone listening would argue that you're the you're one of the best natural talents in the world of shotgun shooting. Right. Explain that to me. Explain to me in your words what uh, a, a natural talent is. Well, I mean, I think you could talk about a lot of different things that it could be. Um, my perception of that is is and always has been is. You know, to, to, to do what we do, it's a lot of hand-eye coordination. So maybe that means that 
you know, I have better hand-eye coordination than most. Um, it, it, you know, I think a lot of it at, at the level that a lot of the top guys, the pros are on, I've, I'm, I really believe that 100% of it is is mental. You know, on the level that we're on, I used to think, you know, you hear people talk, they say, oh, it's 80, 85% of it's mental. I think 100% of it's mental. Yeah, why? Well, I mean, it's all about mindset. It's about being able to go into that station and know that you're good enough to to kill all eight of them. You know, I walk into every station with the mindset, if there's eight targets on that station, say four report pair, four true pair, three three report pair, whatever it is, I don't walk in there with the mindset to try to kill eight targets. I go in there trying to figure out how hard I can hit them. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, so it, you already it, know you're going to hit them. I mean, in your mind, that's the mindset. Yeah. <clears throat> is, is the setup, the, the, all the other stuff, is that just as important to you as the mindset? As far as your body? Yeah. You, yeah. A hundred percent. I, you know, you're all that stuff. You, you've got to have sound fundamentals to be able to, to repeat and do the same thing four times in a row. So, uh, you know, yes, stance is probably one of the most important things because if you're out of position and you can't rotate, the gun's going to slow. You're going to miss the bird. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I, I see you when you're shooting, I can tell that you're, you wind up and you kind of release, so to speak, when you pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. I mean, rule of thumb is if you start comfortable, you're going to be uncomfortable when you pull the trigger. We want to reverse that. You need to, if anything, you want to be a little tight when you start and as you move the gun, you know, you want to get to that point to where you're comfortable. Yeah, as you, you see a lot trigger. of people that don't do it right. Oh, it's yeah. You, that's probably one of the one of the least talked about things it, among all of the people that coach in the industry is is stance. Yeah, how do you coach stance? Well, I, you know, I I watch people when I'm coaching, and you you can always tell, you can pick up on it, you know, right when somebody stands in the box how they're going to perform based off of their body posture and, and the way they're standing. And it's something that, you know, if people don't know to look for that, they can't correct it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I tell people that, you know, you've got to make sure if you're going to break the target here, you got to be able to make sure your body can open up and rotate to that point. Yeah. Comfortable when you pull the trigger. Right. All right. So let's talk about the start. Let's back all the way up to the beginning. <clears throat> how did you get started in this? Well, um, I like to hunt. Big deer hunter. We moved to Georgia when I was a kid, bought a chicken farm, went over to a uh, gun club, you know, right down the road, which is actually Elberton, mm-hmm. um, Albert County Gun and Archery Club, and they had a rifle range, sighted my gun in. Is that the one with the big the rock big, quarry? big granite quarries. Okay, yeah. Um, and we went to the clubhouse, joined a membership. There were some guys out there shooting skeet and I told dad, I said, man, that looks fun, you know? So we went and come back a couple of days later and I shot a little bit of skeet, start shooting with those guys. They told me how good I was and it kind of evolved from there. So you'd never shot? Never shot before. And they said, you're good. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what you shot that day? I mean, if you don't, I, I, get I, it, I don't. It's been a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, how, now how old were you then? Uh, about 13, 13 and a half, so almost 14. Yeah. So I was going to ask, did your parents have some sort of an influence on you in getting started? I guess so. Well, yeah, they did. My grandparents, you know, they, they, 
you know, supported me throughout traveling and starting up on the road and, and, you know, working on the farm at, you know, I worked on the farm and, um, when there was a shoot that I wanted to go to, they, they, you know, made sure I got there. Yeah. So you started, did you, when did you start competing? Probably four, 14, 14 and a half, somewhere in there. That was when I started. How, how good were you when you started competing? Uh, it was actually kind of scary. We, I look back on it, you know, shooting skeet and, I think I've got one of my first ever, you know, back when I started, we shot on hand machines where you had to take a trapper and they had to cock the machine. Lots changed in the sport and in the industry since I started. Yeah. Um, I think the first score I ever shot was like an 87 or something. Really? <laughs> so you're, how old are you now? 36. 36. You started when you was 13. You've been doing it a while for sure. Not, not as long as Zach, but. <laughs> Zach's just old. <laughs> He's got a head start on me. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about your parents being around you at all these shoots and being with you at all these shoots? I know they had to be there when you were young, but they continued on into. They did. They, you know, they were there pretty much throughout my entire career up to the point where I took a break, um, you know, for five years before I came back to the, to yeah. the 2022 U.S. Open, and the the support was great. You know, looking back on of it, uh, all of it along the way, I think that uh, I think there were some goods to that, and I think there were some bads. Yeah, bad stuff that came with it. Yeah, yeah. Did they expect you to win all the time? Every single time. So, is did that kind of pressure? Was that good for you or bad for you? Well. I think that it helped me at a young age develop. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm so good today is some of the stuff that I dealt with at a younger age in life turned me into what I am now. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy, but I, I think I got, I learned to get hard mentally at a, at a really young age. You had to, I had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, who did you shoot with back then? Was there anybody that we know now? Well, I traveled a lot with, you know, Mr. Sporting Clay, John Kruger at the time. He, I met him actually at the first Sporting Clay shoot that I ever shot, and that happened to be the Georgia State Championship at Elberton that year. Shot with Kruger, beat him on the make or break. I've actually got this cool photo that he signed, and he signed it, John Kruger, lucky shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Um I've still got that photo at home on a, on a stand uh, with my trophies. And, you know, it. I traveled with John. John kind of tucked me under his wing, and, and we traveled. He got me to Krieg off. I, I bought my first Krieg off. Mom and Dad bought a Krieg off from him. Shot that for a while, and then, you know, years later down the road, I ended up getting sponsored by Krieg off. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Anthony mentioned to me, I don't know, back before I asked you to come on the show, that he may have given you some lessons at some point. Did you receive any formal coaching from anyone else or did you just shoot with people? Just shot with people. You know, Anthony was the only person that I ever actually took any instruction from and we didn't do a lot of it. Um, so that's we, the only lesson you really had ever. Yeah. Really? So you've more or less just taken experience and developed your style. Just, you know, practicing along the way and shooting, learning and failing the whole way. All right. We'll talk about that for a second. Practice when you're younger and we're still, when you're young, 
Well, I I mean, I shot a lot because I really, really loved it. It was the only thing I wanted to do. It was either hunting, you know, or wanting to go shoot my shotgun and pull the trigger. So I shot a ton of ammo, a ton, a lot of it when I was younger. And, I mean, it was all I wanted to do. I'd go to Elberton over there. We were members, and I'd cut the lights on and shoot till 3 o'clock in the morning. Some days I'd go over there, and I'd burn 10 flats. In a day? In a day. Loved it. God. <laughs> Nothing better than burning gunpowder. So, I mean, you know, not a lot of people can do that or, ha- or do do that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it- you know, and now I'm, I'm so busy now. It's crazy looking back at how much I practice and shot to where I am now. Now, you know, going into this 2023 national championship, I actually didn't touch my gun for 14 days before the shoot. Did not touch it. Put it down. I shot. You know, the Frazier 500 was the last tournament that I shot at Cherokee Rose before the national championship, and I put my gun down, didn't touch it. I went and climbed a tree, did a little bit of hunting, gave some lessons, and I even laid off of that about a week before, and we went, you know, we showed up early out there, took the kids to SeaWorld. It was fun. Did you fit? Did you get in with Shamu? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, how old were you when you shot your first hundred? Oh, you know, honestly, I can't remember. I would probably 16. Yeah. Were you, so you were registered, you were a registered shooter at that time. When were you master class? Do you remember? I believe I made master class from the time I started to, you know, from the, from the very first NSCA shoot from, and I actually started in C class, if I remember correctly. Really? I don't know if they've changed some stuff over the years, but but I but I went from either D or C class to master in about six months' time. Shooting so, a Kriegoff. Shooting a Kriegoff. That's all I've ever shot. So you've never shot the automatic? You've always shot a Kriegoff. Well, I started with a Browning Gold Sporting Glaze, but when I started shooting NSCA way back, I was shooting a K-Gun. I shot a shot a sporter barrel forever, and uh, when they came out with the the parkour's barrel back, and I can't remember fourteen or fifteen, I popped one of those on there. It was kind of crazy because I got the first one sent to me actually at Big Red Oak Plantation when they had the I think it was the North American Fee Task. Popped it on them in the parking lot with an old friend of mine Shane Atkinson, and we mm-hmm. we take sandpaper to the stock and I sand it down because it needed to be lower, and I pop it on the gun and go out and shoot a one ninety eight in the fee task. <laughs> really? So you took a brand new stock gun, sanded it down, and shot brand new brand new barrel fixed choke. I think it was I mod full. <laughs> well, the I, you were you may have been the first one to ever thread a parkour barrel too. You think so? Possibly. For chokes. Yeah. I remember seeing the first time I saw you, you had a, it's probably the same, bar, who knows? I don't know what gun it was, but you had. It was, it was, yeah, it was a parkour that Joe Morales, Jojo at Rhino back then, he, he choked it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that with some Rhino chokes were in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the competitive state that you're very competitive. Have you been that way the whole time, your whole life? I, yeah, I think it's something that um, you, you're born with. It, it's just, it's either in your blood or it's not, you know. And it's something that it takes to be good. I don't care what you're doing in life. You, you've got to be passionate about it. You've got to love it. And you've got to have that drive to want to win. You know, uh, 
a crowd or whatever, a crowd, a bunch of negative talk, it always drives you, doesn't it? I love it. It's great. You don't care if everybody behind you is talking trash about you. You can still shoot good. Yeah, it's like, a, and we go back to when we were talking about it being so mental. Mm-hmm. That, that's the mental part of that. You know, that you, if you can't, when people want, want to see you fail, if you can't in your mind, you know, turn that into something positive and, and knowing that they're standing there watching it, that's that's when it's time to take it, grab another gear and, and put a show on for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you like doing that. You like putting a show it's, on. It's great. Uh, when did you realize that you could just, you could beat anybody that was shooting? Was it 16, 17 years old? Yeah, somewhere around in there. I mean, I, I shot, I've shot, always shot really good. Um, I, I think the best thing that ever happened to me was taking the five years off that I took off and stepping away from the sport as bad as I didn't want to do that. I really didn't have a choice. I became a father and, you know, got full custody of my child. So that, you know, that right there forced me to grow up and change my whole life. And it, it changed a lot of things for me. It calmed me down a lot. So being back and looking where I was at, just say 10 years ago, 15 years ago to where I'm at now, it's a hundred percent difference. And, and, and not just the way that I act or the, the, the demeanor, but it, it's helped my shooting tremendously. I'm still able to get amped up when I need to be, and I shoot with a lot of adrenaline. And I'll, you know, I'm real upbeat, but but in the in the mental aspect of it, of getting older, I've I've gotten a lot calmer with how I handle things, and it, yeah. it's helped me tremendously. When you took this break, you said you were doing it because you had a daughter, right? You, know, you got custody. Were you not shooting at all? Didn't touch the gun five years. So you, at all, at all. I didn't keep up with it. I actually had this this conversation with Mike Luongo a couple of days ago. We were talking about it, you know, because people people don't want to believe that they're like, "There's no way he put his gun down." I mean, I literally stayed away from it. I loved the game so much that the only way that I could not shoot and it didn't completely eat me up is I just I didn't even look at scores. I totally just blocked it out. Didn't have anything to do with it. Didn't keep up with any of it. I didn't know who was doing what, when, where, or how. Mm. So what made you get back into it? Started giving some lessons, had a couple of people, friends of mine, you know, asked me to give some people some lessons and started doing a little bit of coaching on the side. And I got asked to shoot one day by one individual in particular. And, you know, he, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. So we actually, it was kind of funny. We argued for four or five days over, you know, you're going to the U.S. Open. I'm like, I'm not going. You're going. No, I'm not. So, you know, day five, he's like, well, you don't have a choice. It's paid for. You got a hotel room. Here's 10 flats of, of ammunition. You're going to, you're going to shoot the U S open. You can win. And I said, well, I got to practice a little bit. So I got with Jasper. I had actually let Jasper Copeland borrow my, my gun. He had my gun. He was shooting it. I didn't need it. I give it to him as a backup. He's shooting the gun. So we get over there, we get everything set up. Did a little bit of practice, shot some skeet, and off we went. That was it. That was it. You just brought back into it. Do you remember how you shot when you went to go practice that first time? Was it good? Was oh, it-, it was great. I was hungry for it. Again. I missed it. God, I didn't realize how how bad I actually missed it. Yeah, and since then you hadn't stopped. Hadn't stopped. That's crazy. I mean, did you think when you quit that you would be coming back or no? 100%. 
you knew you would. Just didn't know when you Just would. didn't know when. No. Um, before that, before that break, what were some of your biggest accomplishments? Well, of course, all the all the runner ups at nationals. Yeah, was always you know short there, couldn't get it done. One or two targets. Uh, runner up in the world championships. Georgia State wins. North Carolina State, South Carolina yeah. State, Nevada State, California State. You know, Browning Bradley World Open. Um, runner up in the world compact when we had it here in the states for the first time. Did you think that you would be making a career out of this sport? Not really. Not when I came back. I was mainly doing it. You know, the money was really good in the coaching aspect of it. Um, and not really, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. But after taking all the time off and, and coming back and turning things around from what the way they, they used to be when I was younger, I see now that I have a, a you know, a big opportunity to be a, be an ambassador for the sport and the game and i love it so you know why not yeah when you came back you noticed that there were some clubs that wouldn't let you shoot there right all right i don't know what reasons they are i don't care what reasons they are uh what do you have to say to them well we we've pretty much worked all that out through most of them and stuff is straightened out now and you know talking about the past i think that i think that everybody in life you know, deserves a second chance. And for some reason it was hard to get people convinced to give me that second chance. But I think a lot of them have made it to that point, you know, and I just did a, I did a lot of stupid shit when I was a kid and just wide open. I don't know that I was any different than any other kid. Um, but I was in a sport that, you know, was primarily made up of a lot of wealthy older people and they didn't want to deal with that crap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was wide open and, you know, I, like I said, it, would I, would I change it if I could go back and do it? I, I don't know that I necessarily do it any differently. I mean, cause that's what makes me who I am today. That's, I, I feel like that's a big part of, of, you know, mentally why I'm as strong as I am. Cause I had to be, Yeah. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes type deal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. it, 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 I don't know that I would change it, but you know, like, like I said, I, I think that people have, are finally starting to see that, you know, people can change and, and that's a good thing because I, I honestly didn't know, you know, being back from, from winning the open last year in 2022 to now, I, I had kind of was starting to lose hope and was thinking, you know, they're just never going to accept me. Right. And, you know, I've turned a lot of that around and like I said, I'm a different person and, and, you know, to, to any of the people out there that at a younger age that were there to witness any of that stupid stuff that happened, you know, I, all I can say is that I'm sorry and I'm older now. I was a kid. Yeah. So hopefully we can, you know, we can we can move forward. That's that's the only thing you can do is own it. I, I feel like the, the worst thing to do is, is to say it didn't happen because, hell, a lot of it happened. A lot of it didn't. I was accused of some of it. I mean, some of it happened, though. So, I mean – what what let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about one that didn't happen that everybody says did happen. You know, th- there's been talk of well, Brandon shot a machine. You know that that didn't happen. You know, there people have there's there's a lot of drama in this in this sport, and <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knows that. But you know, and and there's some jokesters and and whatnot. But you know what people got to understand is we were all young, you know, and 
the things that we have dealt with in life and went through mold us into what we become when we're older. And, you know, like I said, I I don't think that I would change anything if I could do it differently. I might have done some stuff differently, but it, like I said, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. The only thing that I can do is say, you know, hey, I'm sorry. And, I'm, you know, I'm getting old. I'm 37 almost in two weeks. And we, we got to look into the, you know, into the, into the future and forget about the past. Yeah. I mean, you and I didn't get along. I mean, we, we, we had our moments. We did. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, we'd see each other and we'd look the other way. I think I talked to you at Georgia State, the one you won last in 22. And I mean, we kind of squashed all that. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. I think it, it's just part of life. People go through phases in life and, you know, people are quick to form opinions and, and it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, that that's kind of stuff happens, but it's part of life. When you sign up for a turn, I think a lot of people listening to this was like, Hey man, what are you going to get into talking about how he shoots? You know, like right when you sign up for a tournament, how do you prepare for that tournament? Don't matter which one it is, just whatever. How do you prepare or do you prepare? I mean, not really. I mean, I sign up for shoots just like just like anybody else. You know, I, I've got Score Chaser Pro, and I've got my list of tournaments that I want to shoot, and um, that's funny. Uh, you know, for the year, and they, they squad me up, and and you know, I I leave from one shoot or leave from doing this and go there. Uh, it, oh, so it, you it, let them schedule it for yeah, you? Yeah, I, I put down you know what what I want to do, and yeah. they 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 uh. You know, they squad me for the event, and I got this person that wants to shoot and that person, and that's fine. It doesn't matter. It's it's actually kind of cool sometimes to not squad with people you know and to meet other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, that, and that's been really good for me also, shooting with different people since I've come back, and that's helped me tremendously by getting out of the little circle and meeting this guy at this shoot or that woman here and this person, and then they go tell the, well, you know, Brandon, you know, you shot with that guy and they're like, well, yeah, he was great. You know, so it just, it, it's got like a snowball effect. So it's been really good. Yeah. You met some good people. I have a hundred percent. Um, here recently, I know. Um, so shooting with people you don't know, do you think that helps you shoot better? I honestly, I, for me, I don't think it, it matters either way. I, I think the only thing that sometimes bothers me and this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people that that listen to this, but you know that to me, there's nothing worse than shooting with a squad of people that that have trouble staying focused and want everything dead quiet. There's no communication. You know, I, I'm there to talk and hang out and have a good time. I, I, you know, I can carry on a conversation. We could talk about whatever. And as soon as you step in the box, that's the moment to to cut it all off and focus for a minute and get out. Yeah. And then you just go back to it. you got to be having fun. Do you get it? Do you have to stand back there and watch several pairs before you shoot it? Or I mean, I, you know, you, you'll see the videos from nationals and I, and I bring up nationals because it was videoed out there and you'll see me getting up, you know, on the guy kind of watching, looking down the barrel a little bit. And, and typically, you know, maybe that's something because of the pressure, the shoot. Um, you, you see me focus a little more on it, but usually I, I'll, I'll look at the pair and then I just, when it's my turn, I jump in the box and go with it. I have noticed that you look down the barrel behind people. Do you do that to see, all right, they hit it. They got about that much lead on it. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm definitely looking down the barrel, looking at the gap. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, if they miss, I mean, you know, I, 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 I look, you know, I look down the barrel. I like to do it just as a reference. I mean, it, it's, I don't know that it helps though, because the way that I shoot, you take somebody that maintains a target, they see a lot bigger gap than the gap I'm going to see because I'm going to come through it with the barrel from behind with gun speed. So, you know, it, it kind of defeats the purpose. I think so it's just, that way. I think it's just, I'm looking down and just kind of using it as a reference to see what the bird's doing. I think, you know, a lot of the targets that are missed, people just, they're, they're not reading the line of the bird. So it's the line. It's very think. important to read what the target's doing. I think a lot of people walk up to the cage and they, you know, oh, it's an orange bird going this way. It's an orange one going that, but you got to look and see what's that bird doing. Is it rising? Is it transitioning? Where's it transitioning? How far is it? Is it quartering to quartering out crossing? All that stuff is a determining factor at the end of the day with how you're going to shoot it and where you're going to shoot it, you know, and, and what result you're going to get. You just said you come through the birds. Probably 90, 95% I, I come from behind. You know, there's plenty, there's just so much that can go wrong if you don't have the line of the target. Yeah. And and the bigger the gap is on the bird, the the more chance you have of missing the line. When you got to mount eight, nine feet out in front of a bird, you know, when you, when you figure out, Somebody lets me know how you can make sure your barrel is in line with that. I'd like to know, you know, and I, I think that's why some of your other guys, you know, Anthony, I think primarily pulls away from the target. He's pretty good at mounting on the bird, pulling away from it. And I shoot some pull away and I maintain stuff when I have to. When um, do you have to though? Give me an it, example. It, just a good example of that is say we got a true pair and you've got to shoot the first bird quick. So the second bird hasn't closed up and on edge or too far gone out of the sweet spot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That would be one where you're going to start and you're going to kill the first one as quick as you can to move to the second bird. So you're going to stay in front of that first one. Right. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, there's a, there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, I, by no means do I swing through a hundred percent of the targets that I shoot. And you do that solely for the line for the line. Yeah. And the lead just do you pay attention to the barrel? Well, yeah, you're I mean, yeah, I'm aware you've got to be aware of where the muzzle is. Yeah. If you don't know where the muzzle is, then how do you know what you're doing? Yeah. You know, and that it's kind of funny over the years, all the articles and all the magazine stuff that you see, you know, that's something that is just recently kind of being talked about is muzzle awareness. You go back, you know, 10, 15 years, you look and it, you don't you you don't want to see your barrel at all. You shouldn't be aware of your muzzle. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe that. I think that there there's proof that certain targets were, require more muzzle awareness than others. As in, but you always have to have to see it. As in, you know, we throw a little incomer right here that's hanging in your face at ten yards. I mean, you basically can rifle shoot that bird. Yeah. You know, when I step in there, I'm making sure that I'm putting the bead right on the bird when I pull the trigger. You know, you get a 40 yard screaming crosser. That's a bird where you, you know, you don't, you can't have all that because your eyes can't bounce back and forth from barrel to bird, bird to barrel, and you keep the gun moving. When you set, when people say, look at the target, I mean, you just, can you see the rings and all the stuff on the target or you just see a target? I don't know that you can. I mean, I've got really good vision 2013 in my left, 2015 in my right, but I, I don't know that you can literally see the rings at, 40, 50 yards. I mean, you're looking at the target as hard as you can look at the target when you go to make your move, whatever move that may be. You know, um, it, 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 everybody's got a theory and they've got an opinion. So you just see the bird. You, you've got to see the bird. Yeah. 
period. Yeah. Tell me how you uh, – let's just go over a few targets on how you shoot them. I know it, it all depends. But just a, a quarter in target, do you, uh, you come quarter, from behind? Quarter in target, I'm going to come through, come, come from behind. Shoot the front edge. What about a rabbit? Rabbit, I'm going to – I always run on the back edge of a rabbit, and I stay with it. That way, if it hops, I'm there, and I can go up and pull the trigger with it. Yeah. But I'm still going to come through a rabbit. Well, you can wait till it hops if it's going to hop. If it's going to hop. Yeah. Like uh, – a target that I've always had trouble with is a an incomer that just gets up there and it just hangs. Like, do you shoot it at the top? You shoot it when it rolls? How do you shoot it when it drops? It just depends on what it's paired with. True pair, if you got to shoot it quicker or later. Usually, I'm going to let that bird peak, and then I'm going to mount just just on the bottom edge, and I'm going to pull away from that target as it starts to drop. Main, main reason for that is, you know, letting the target – transition from stopping and transition into a fall on a straight line so the line it, there. It, the line the line's important yeah that just reminded me you were on the psca back when it started right. i guess and there's a video i'm sure you've seen it on youtube of you i guess you're shooting the speed round. speed round yep. yeah and yep. and one gets way out there you i think you shot twice at, however many times you shot you missed it you reloaded shot again and hit it right before it hit the ground right I've never seen somebody shoot targets falling like you. And and I think a lot of that is I just I loved doing that when I was a kid. Really? And I stuck with it and I think it's cool, but I also think that it's it's a part of your game. It's it's a part of the game that you've got to be good at. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about how many shoots we go to to where the target setter throws something to where you've got to shoot the second bird falling. I mean, it's it's a tool that you've definitely got to have in your bag. Yeah. Yeah, you'll shoot the make or break sometime, and it's like, right, why hadn't he shot that yet? I was falling. You hear somebody in the background, he's just showing off. <laughs> All right, eye dominance. We talk about eye dominance a lot. If I'm left eye dominant and I'm shooting right-handed, how successful can I really be? You know, I, I really don't know that much about the the eye dominance stuff. Um, you know, Anthony seems to have a lot of knowledge about all of that. Um, it's something that I'm starting to run into, though, the more coaching that I'm doing. I think that the, the the toughest thing that you've got with, you know, somebody being right-handed their entire life and having figuring out, start, you know, they, hey, I'm going to start shooting, find a coach, figure out their left eye dominant, is everything that they do left-handed is awkward. Yeah. So, you know, I think that kids, younger age, that are just beginning – that, you know, say they're right, they do everything right-handed, but they're left-eye dominant, you know, vice versa, they're left-handed, right-eye dominant. I think at a young age, it, it's okay to, to switch them up and, and get them on the other side of the gun. But you take somebody that's 35, 40, 50 years old, has done everything right-handed their entire life, I mean, that's that's going to be difficult. Yeah, I've been shooting doves for 40 years, and you want to tell them to shoot left-handed? Now? Yeah, that's not going to work. Do you think that you can work out of the eye dominance issue? Do you know, do you even know the answer to that? I don't know. I I think that you can. I I, I you know I, there again though I think some of that relates back to when you start and how you learn. You got to be doing something different. I don't know that I'm doing anything differently. Um, everybody says that. I laugh every time I hear it. Well, know, what he, is it? he's got to be doing something different than everybody else? What's he doing? What's the secret? Well, what is it? I, you know, I, back to mental. 
I, I think a lot of it's mental. I think a lot of it, though, also is how I shoot, you know, swing through, um, coming through the target, back to, you know, being able to have the line. That's one of the most important things that there are is, is having the line of the target. I mean, if you don't come through the bird, there's so many different things that can go wrong. So many different things. So should somebody that is shooting maintain or, or pull away or uh, whatever, should they try sh- shooting your style and see how it works? All well, swing through. I, the, the problem you have, I think that, you know, the reason why nobody teaches swing through and it's not talked about a lot is it's probably one of the hardest methods to shoot in the stance of it takes a lot of gun control. There's more to it than, you know, call and pull and just ripping through the bird at this unbelievable rate with this unbelievable rate of gun speed and just pulling the trigger. I mean, it's very controlled process. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask that next. So you hear everybody say, you know, match the speed of the bird. Right. And, you know, the first little bit of flight time with me, I'm running with the bird and then I make, I can make my move here, 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 anywhere in the flight of the, the target and make that transition on through the bird to pull the trigger. But the, the problem you have with that is I've done it that way for so long. You know, a, a standard deep quartering bird, you're going to come through and pull the trigger when you hit the nose of the bird. Yeah. You come through a 50 yard, 60 yard crosser that way. You're not pulling the trigger on the nose. Right. We're, we're stretching on out to a gap. And when we get there and, and we get comfortable, it, it's, it's more of a feel than it is a sight picture. Every bit of this game boils down to a feel. It's, it's definitely a feel. You develop a feel for a lot of different things the longer you do this. And, uh, you know, 100% of me will always say and believe that shooting is, is a feel. It's not a sight picture. And some people just catch on quicker than others. Do you think people either have it or don't have it? Or do you think everybody has it? I, 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 I think it boils down to hand-eye coordination. I think we all have hand-eye coordination, but it's a proven fact. Some people have more hand-eye coordination than other people. Yeah. I've never really understood that. I understand it, but I don't it, understand it. And, it, and I don't either. I, I haven't really studied into it. I haven't looked into it. I don't know. So you're not like David. You don't have something in your brain, your Abdullah Oblongata that <laughs> – one hundred percent no. <laughs> all right, so we've determined you pull through the target. Well, all right, I got a question. You don't wear a vest; you wear a shell a shell pouch, right? What's up? What's up with that? I, you know, I wore a vest when the PSCA was going on, and I shot that way for a little while, and it was okay. They're hot. And it just adds extra stuff. I, f- I want the gun to feel like it's a part of me. Yeah. You know, uh, you, I know you're about to say you, you're always wearing Magellan shirts. Yeah. So, Fish you know, they're, they're thin, they're light, they breathe. And, you know, I have contact with the gun, I feel like, through, through my shirt to my shoulder. And it feels like it's a part of me. And I feel like that's important. Yeah. So do you plan on ever wearing a vest? I, you know, I've tried. I, I, <laughs> I actually tried one on at nationals again this year and was going to try to shoot in the off season with one. I just don't think I can do it. So you don't carry around that little cheap old pouch you got? Probably. Maybe we'll upgrade to some, some elephant skin or alligator skin down the <laughs> road it somewhere. Now? Canvas? Yeah, Velcro? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you got to reach down to your knees to get the shells out of it. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, tell me about the shells you shoot. I don't care about the brand. I'm talking about what speed, 
What do you like to shoot? What? Nitro bombs. <laughs> nitro bombs. Remington nitro bombs. What That's what that? we're calling them. What is that? So uh, the 1235 ounce okay. and eighth. Okay. So, you know, I, 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 I've been, I've, I've been up in the air about, you know, ounce and eighth versus one ounce. You know, we shot, shot over in Europe. We shot one ounce over there. It's all they allow you to shoot. And I think they pattern great. They're easier on your shoulder, but I think as long as they will allow us to shoot an ounce and eighth load over here, that's what I'm going to shoot. Yeah. It's it's kind of like going to a pigeon shoot and, you know, knowing you can shoot a seven and a half ounce and a quarter at any speed, but you choose to shoot a seven eighths ounce. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You might as well send the biggest payload out there. Yeah. So switching for feet to ask that doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother me. And I mean, that's where I was going with it. You know, we shoot one ounce in feet task and shoot 70, 80 yard stuff, you know, sometimes bigger than that overseas. And it breaks just as hard. I think a lot of it at the end of the day boils down to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. And it's, it's all mental. It's, it's in your head. It's what you're comfortable with, what you're confident with and what you trust. Yeah. Have you always shot ounce and eight? Yes and no. I've been back and forth over the years, but primarily ounce and eighth when I can shoot it and one ounce in feet task. And it's always been 1250, 1235, whatever. 1250, you know, has always, 1235, 1250 has always been the magic number for me. I love that. You know, one ounce, about 1290. What what chokes? I don't like asking these questions because I think it's very generic. You know, like, it, hey, what do you shoot? What do you use and all that? But no, nobody's ever heard from you. So I'm Well, kinda, I mean, Briley's. I shoot Briley thin walls in my in my parkour barrel. Um, they're the twenty two thousands, both barrels. For some reason, I like in between a mod and an iMod. So you shoot, and that's all I ever shoot. You won't take them out, put skeet choke in, and shoot a rabbit. Tried to take them out at nationals on one of the stations, <laughs> and they were rusted in the gun. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. Did you take I, it take it to Craig off and get them out yet? No, I got I got it broke loose. I Did got it out of there, but. But, you know, I just, so you I never clean your gun. I, not really. I'm shooting the best gun in the world. <laughs> uh, things built like a tank. It has to be. I, I looked at that gun. I don't know where I was at. You said, here, open my gun. And I opened it and I thought it was going to fall apart. He said, that's perfect. That's how I love it. Yep. And you do that a lot when you're getting up to shoot, like you're thinking, you're opening, and I've noticed that. That's just that's just me buying a little bit of time, you know. I, I, when you see me popping that gun open and breathing a little bit, that's where I've that that adrenaline has hit a high, and I'm really you know to ready it. to go there. You gotta you gotta channel that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta calm it down for a second. And it's crazy over the years how I've gotten older. I, I know when I've got control of it, and I can close the gun and call pull. Yeah, but you've got to have all that under control. So then yeah. you'll start doing crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. Do you ever get in a spot to where you miss a target and it bothers you and it makes you miss the next target? Or are you over that? Never. Never. You that's that's one thing in this game you can't do. I mean, you'll see me get aggravated with the best of them and I get pissed off. It's not at the trapper. It's not at the guy behind me. It's not at the guy on the cart that rode by. It's none of their fault. That's me being hard on myself. And, but no, by the time I leave that station, it's done. It's over with, and we're on to the next. So it, you don't let it affect you. No, all. you you can't. Yeah, can seven. Tell me, nationals. Go back to nationals. You shot seventy three, seventy three, seventy three, sixty eight. How many targets on that on the last course? Seventy five. Okay, so you dropped more on that one than you did I, other I, three. I did hundred <laughs> percent, and you know it was weather. 
You know, the wind was blowing. My goal, like I said, the from the first day to the last day, I knew that I didn't have to shoot 73 on the last day. I just need to put pressure on everybody and hammer them and hit them as hard as I could hit them. And that's what we did from station one to about station six. And I gave a couple up here and there, but a lot less than the rest of the field. Did you think about that, though? Did you think, oh, my God, I'm dropping more than I, I have? No, been. no. I mean, we we went from when we arrived at the curve, I think I had made it up to six, seven, eight targets. I had everybody. And, you know, Bainhorn, he, that guy's, he's something else. He, what a cool, cool Who guy. Who is that guy? He's a farmer and um, really cool guy. I mean, that was awesome to shoot with him because he just didn't have a care in the world. He, you know, I was wondering how he was going to handle the pressure there on the last day. He was shaking a little bit, but he managed to, managed to hang in there. You know, yeah, I was impressed. Uh, I've never seen his name. I, I haven't either. Super nice guy, though. Super, super cool guy. He's a farmer. Farmer. He's like, I'm just going to go shoot national championship today or this weekend. And he, where did he finish? Second? Second. Yeah. That's crazy. I think, I think, I, you know, I was reading some stuff where he, where he shot for the last maybe 10 to 15 years. Just, uh, I don't think he travels like, you know, all the pro guys do myself. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely a talented guy. It was pretty cool to see somebody just, you know, everyday working guy out there shooting out of care in the world. And that's probably why, you know, back to the mental part of it, the guy finished where he did. Probably didn't care. Yeah. Wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. You know, we like I said, we rounded that curve and I get over there and I missed three targets. You know, Anthony jump, jumps in there and makes three up on me. He runs the, the big trap station. The wind was blowing. I got in there, was going to shoot it on the way down, and I was like, nah, just shoot the damn thing. And, you know, I gave up three there. Mm. We went into the next station. I ran it, and I knew when, when everybody dropped and gave that lead back to me again, a good, comfortable lead. I went from, you know, being three ahead back to six six ahead. I knew I was like, if I run this station right here, it's over. All we got to do is get in there and break the first single shot target for the golden ticket on 10, and we win it. Yeah, so that was that was a pretty awesome feeling. How do you like the super squad? I think it's great. I, I enjoy it. it. It's fun. The only thing that I don't like about it is, you know, we shoot all year, and we get out there, and for a lot of people, that's the last shoot of the year, and they want to shoot with their friends. They want to shoot with their buddies. They want to have a good time. So, you know, when, when they auction these spots off and they force us, you know, elite group of shooters to shoot in this super squad, we're not able to, I don't know that it necessarily takes us out of our comfort zone. I feel like that there's probably a good many of them out there that get squatted with each other that don't want to watch what the other guys doing while they're standing in the box. I, I think that that creates a lot of extra pressure on some of them. Doesn't bother me. Um, but, you know, I think that's the, the only downside to the super squads at Nationals, not being able to shoot with your buddies for the last time, you know, biggest shoot of the year. Yeah, but well, then just start sucking. Then you can do that. That's, this is true. I mean, if you just if you want to shoot with them, just don't get in the super squad. Well, I'm never going to shoot with my buddies. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to suck, are you? <laughs> you went overseas this year, right? Right. Uh, how'd you do? Shot really good. Ended up uh, super final over there. Was the only American to make it. Finished uh, runner-up in the world championship. Uh, sporting. Sporting? Okay. Sporting. Yeah. I didn't know you shot VTASC, honestly. I thought you just shot sporting. but Well, I didn't shoot it a lot last year or this year because when I came back, I really didn't know I was going to shoot this much this year. And with Score Chaser, everything being, being new like it is where, where you pre-register, everything was full. 
So I got into a few of them this year. I think I won the big one, uh, Chicago, where they gave you a ring. It was a, I forget what they call it, but it was a big 200 bird deal. Um, you know, I enjoy fee task. It's fun. It's just a lot of the shoots. They fill up. They don't have the room. Yeah. Um, as far as being the captain for team USA for this, for 22, right? Did you think, did you think that would ever happen? Like, if you come back your first year and you're captain of Team USA, was that sporting and fee test? Just sporting. Just sporting. Didn't okay. shoot enough fee test tournaments to to, yeah. to make the fee test team, unfortunately. Have you been the captain before? I have never been the captain, I don't believe, of sporting. I've been the captain of fee task. What do you like better? I mean, I enjoy both of them. No. You know, fee task is fun. You get all the singles. I feel like fee task is a lot easier game than sporting. Really? I mean, you, you've got singles to, you know, 70% of your targets, so it's 70% of them are singles. So, I mean, you get two barrels to kill them, you ought to kill it. You know, sporting, you step in the cage, you you better be ready to go. And because, I mean, if you miss, you miss. Yeah. You're not, you know, you don't get to fire two shots at it to figure, figure out where you're at. I will sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we call that stand on the first target. Is that, is that what it <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah, double barrel on the first Have one. you done that before? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when you step in there, your mind's got to work that way at the, at the level that we're on with all the talent there is, there's more talent nowadays than there ever has been in this sport. You have got to be smart when you're out there shooting. I mean, when you step in that box and you miss, you know, you miss the one that's 20 yards away and the, you know that the next one is 45 yards away. You better double barrel the first one and put one X on that card because missing pairs, you're not going to win much. No, that's right. If you had to pick one team, like a, an elite team to be on. Who would you pick if you had a, if you had a five man squad and you was going to go beat everybody there was? Who would be on your team? Well, I, I think the team that we had together this year, you know, probably we. I don't know that you could build a team any stronger than that. You know, me, Anthony, Zach, Gavin. You know, we we they, we were all. You know, it was there. It yeah. would be those guys. Same guys. Same guys. You wouldn't pick nobody from England. Well, I mean, if we could throw George on there, of course. <laughs> <laughs> people say you may be the best in the world. You've heard it. I've heard it. A I, bunch. I, I do. I hear them talk. People talk. How do you, how, what do you say to that? George has got 26, seven world championships. Okay. 30. Is it 30 now? 30. All right. Whatever it is. He's got so many. I don't even know how many it is anymore. He's <laughs> definitely the goat. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Uh, but I guess being a natural shot, being the best in the world, one of the best, how do you how what do you say to that i mean i i mean i mean it's got to make you feel pretty cool i mean it, it is when you sit and you think about it i mean i don't think it's really kind of sunk in i mean i you know i'm still running off all the adrenaline from nationals yeah um you know it's starting to hit a little bit you know kind of driving over here tonight to, to sit and do this this podcast with you i was thinking about it you know and i people have commented and sent all these text messages and you know i Looking back on it, I guess I really have had one heck of an impressive year. Yeah. You know, take oh, yeah. take last year completely away. Don't even put that in the picture. Coming back, winning the U.S. Open, it, it honestly, it's pretty amazing. I, I honestly, I don't know that anybody has ever had a year in sporting clays over here as successful as I have. And it, it, you know, I didn't even pay any attention to it. It, it just kind of hit me because people have been texting me going, you know, what an amazing year. And I'm sitting there going, you know, what, you know, yeah, I won the nationals, but then, 
you know, the one person will be like, you know, you won just about everything you shot. And I'm like, Oh, I did. You think it'd be easier for you to say, to call out the ones you didn't win versus the ones you did win? <laughs> Probably. 100%. Yeah. yeah I think it'd be South Central Regional or no, the South. Yeah. South Central Regional, the, the, the Southeast Regional and the Northeast Regional. I think everything outside of that, you know, you know, we went RC Cup, won that. We went from there to Caribbean. Uh, didn't shoot Caribbean. Actually, missed that one. Okay. Um, won Seminole. Won the Gator Cup. That's boy. That's a big shoot. A ton mm. of people there. Great shoot over there at Backwoods Quail Club. Uh, then we went to Bradford. Shot the small little, you know, Florida Challenge. Won that. Georgia State. You know, I think Georgia State now is probably one of the hardest shoots in the country to win. You know, we got so much talent in Georgia now; it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's that, that shoot. Talent. That shoot gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, and the kids in Georgia, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, they're they're crazy, and just on and on and on. I mean, you just kept. I mean, you go look at Score Chaser. Who won this? Huh? Okay, Brandon won that again. I mean, it's you know, it's pretty impressive for sure. And because of that, your performance the end of last year and this year has got you some, some people standing behind you now. Yeah. A hundred, hundred percent. Like, like, you know, like we started out talking about a lot, a lot of stuff has just changed in the industry and, you know, me getting older and, and taking some time off, I think it was probably one of the best things could happen. Who are you shooting for now? Uh, well, you know, we just, as of, as of pretty much the nationals, uh, working a big deal with Kriegoff international, uh, and you know, Phil Kriegoff overseas at the factory there in Germany. Um, uh, Remington got Remington on board. I actually stopped by Briley on the way home, and we're looking at putting together my own line of chokes. So I've got I've got some really big big players in the industry backing me now and behind me, and it feels good to finally have some support. Yeah, when you started, you didn't think you was gonna have any, did you? I didn't. I honestly never knew how any of that stuff was going to work itself out. Yeah, acting right, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, but you know, the, I think that the good thing about this is, and not just for me, but for the, for the game and for just for people in general in life, it, is you know, is to remember that you know people can change. You know, you you see somebody do something or you form an opinion of somebody, it doesn't mean that person's always going to be that way. I mean, you could see somebody at their worst, at their highest of highs and their lowest of lows, and they could do something completely out of character, and you could think, damn, you know, it could be the first time you've ever seen that person, and you just happen to catch them at the wrong moment, and you think, you know, damn, what an idiot. You know, look at that guy. I can't believe he did that. You know, you hold on to that, and you formed an opinion to somebody, and they could be the nicest person in the world, you know, just having a bad day. Yeah, you know, and and while we're on that topic, you know, that's like shooting the the amount of energy that I bring to the cage. It, that's something you've got to have. I, I mean, I'm a hundred percent convinced, and I'll always believe that to win in this game, I think to win at anything, it's like Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, you know, when he's out there, he don't want to win by one. He wants to beat the rest of the field by ten. Yeah, you know, and I have that same mindset mentality, and I always thought that. Uh, you know, aside from the stuff that I did at a younger age to get the name and the reputation of being the bad boy of sporting clays, that I was a lot of that too. When I got, you know, since I've come back, 
you know, I hear people talk and they see me and I shoot with all that intensity in the cage. You'll see me sling some shells. That's just part of being a champion and being a winner. That, that's just, that's a part of, of, you know, letting a little bit of, little bit of that adrenaline off. And, and, and that's, that's me striving as a competitor and as an athlete to do better, you know, it, and it's, I think I was misunderstood. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you throw shit. I mean, I saw videos of you throwing shells this weekend, but you're not throwing on being mad. No, it's it's yeah. it's not a it's out of being pumped up and fired up. You know, you you, you got to have that drive. So, do you think people that pisses people off when you do I, that? I think some people are always going to get pissed off about that. I, I don't think there's any way around that. But you know, it is what it is. I, I've watched all the pros since I've been back. I, I've watched. I'm not going to name any names, but. You know, people just look around and watch. I've watched every single person out there at some point in time sling a hole, you know, and some worse than others. Yeah. And it's just, it's part of being a winner. If you, I mean, if you can stand there and be that calm and that okay with missing, you're never going to win in this game. Yeah. It's never going to happen. Do you think the sport needs, what do you think it needs? What do you think, would you change anything about it right now? Yeah, I'd get rid of all the drama. You know, it's it's a very fun game. Um, you know, and and I think ninety nine percent of the people in the sport are great. I, I think that there's some things that need to change though for it to to move along and and grow and get even bigger than what it is. I mean, it'd be how cool would it be to to have shotgun sports shooting on TV? You know, like golf. Yeah. You know, I think there's some there's some things that got to change and I think that some of the drama and the petty stuff in the in the sport and in in the industry itself has got to go away in order for that to happen. Why is there so much drama? You-, <laughs> you you know, I I really don't know. I, I I've thought about that for years. It's been talked about. It I mean, it's talked about with a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of phone calls on the way home. People bringing stuff up, you know, and I I, I don't know. I really don't have an answer for that. I told somebody the other day, I said at the end of the day, we're shooting clay, blowing through the air. Well, why, why are we so dramatic about I, it? I, I mean, I don't know either. We're, you, you, <laughs> it's, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you're getting to kill shit. You're yeah. shoot, blowing shit up with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. It, it ought yeah. to be a good time. Yeah. I guess the competitiveness. It, is, it, is it, it probably is. You know, people yeah. get, they get upset about stuff, and that, that's part of life. So that's understandable. How many lifetime targets do you have? Do you know? I think this year I broke over a hundred thousand registered. I was talking to Zach the other day. He said two hundred thousand. Yeah, I Zach's been you, Zach's been shooting quite a bit longer I, than I have. I said, when you're sixty years old, I mean, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> no wonder you have to go to the eye doctor when you go out to Texas. <laughs> All right. So, from what I've heard, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you have a is it like a documentary series coming out about you? Yeah, I think it's it's going to cover. Basically, you know, some of the stuff that I went through from a younger age, where I'm at, was at then to where I'm at now with Devin Anderson, uh, Mr. British. The, they just filmed a big series called The Back Edge with me. Can, can you go into what it's about? I mean, when you were young, what do you mean? Well, just some of the some of the stuff that I did that, that caused me some of the trouble of, along the way with my attitude and things that happened that probably shouldn't have been done. And Really? Stuff like that. So you bringing it right out in front of everybody. Yeah, might as well. I don't have anything to hide. It was part of you know where I'm at today, like we we discussed earlier. Nice. So uh, I know there's not a date of release yet, but it's coming quick. Yeah, it should be here pretty soon. We filmed that uh, up at Northbrook All right, when we so, shot the North Central. So what? So what happened? So 
Who's in charge of that, Devin? Devin and uh, Steve, uh, Mr. British. All right, is so his YouTube channel. I'm sure they'll listen to this. Send me the link, or Brandon, you send it to me when it comes out. And we'll post it up and let everybody know where to go to listen to it, sounds, watch it, whatever it is. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. You know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of these. I look at the, the 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 I guess the stats of the show, and a lot of people will stop listening to a podcast thirty to forty minutes. They'll cut it off, right? Unless they're really into it, which I'm, I can't be into nothing. Thirty or forty minutes, I'm done. You know, right? So I mean, we got it pretty long here. You know, I didn't. I know I missed something. I had to miss something. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff to cover. So, I you know I don't know maybe maybe once this they everybody hears this and they can reach out to you and any any other questions that they might have about shooting style um you know things of the past they you know shoot you shoot you an email on it and we'll get back on and we'll do another one hit me up on facebook or wherever email website and uh send them in and we'll get him back on and ask him i mean there's just so many questions you can ask everybody's got a different perspective everybody wants to know different things oh yeah we could we could 100 percent. we could talk to you know talk talk from this you know from now till this time next year about shooting yeah so you know we're gonna think we're gonna wrap it up but we will we'll get him back on when we get enough questions to to make it worth your time driving 20 minutes sounds good (laughs) appreciate you coming on yeah enjoyed it thanks man thanks for listening remember to visit us online at shotgunsportsusa.com check out the products that our sponsors have to offer and we'll see you on the next one